Welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. You know, our purpose as a church, and the reason we put this podcast out for you is so that we can help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. And that's what we've been doing with this series that we have been in, which has been titled Pursuit. We as a church have spent the last 21 days, the very beginning of this new year, putting aside things that we find valuable or we find addicting, and we have turned that time over and we've given it to the Lord. And it has been a very, very exciting and helpful time of year to say, let's get this year started on the right foot. So today is the final episode in this series. And, you know, we talk about this idea of self-control because we all wish we ate less junk food, exercised more, and controlled our tongues better. But the question is, how do we get better at this? And so in today's episode, Pastor Dave is going to unpack 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he's going to reveal the Apostle Paul's secret to self-control. And so we are hoping that this is an encouragement to you and that it helps you to exercise more self-control in your life as well. Hey, if you'd like to know anything that's going on throughout the rest of this winter and moving into the spring, you can go to beartownroad.org slash events. Otherwise, if you would like to watch a video episode of this podcast, you can go to youtube.com slash Church, or you can check us out on Facebook as well. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. Well, if you are a first-time guest, welcome. If you have not been around in many weeks, welcome. If you're watching online for the first time, super grateful that you could uh, be a part of our service today. Um, And you picked a good day to come because we're starting something brand new tomorrow. More on that in just a moment. Today is the final day of this 21-day season of prayer and fasting. And this past week, I did a little bit of collection to find out the experiences that people were having. And I got back some, some really cool quotes. I want to show you some of these. Um, these people chose to be anonymous. And so let's, let's take a look at some of their experiences. One person said, at first, I was skeptical and I fought the change to fast. I then sensed God directly leading me to use this season of fasting in our church to pray over the spiritual warfare in my home. We talked about this last week, that there is an unseen battle taking place for our homes and for our church. And she said, I want to fast and pray to engage in this battle. So since the beginning of of this fasting and praying season, I've seen direct answers to prayer in my home. I am not done with my season of fasting and praying as I believe God is not done working and showing himself faithful to my family. So that's good stuff. Another person said, I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone. I put it off because what he was asking me to do was very difficult. We've all had those moments where like, I think God wants me to pursue this difficult conversation, but I'm nervous. And it often requires a step of faith. God gives you the words to say, and he gives you the blessing. This is what happened with her. I finally obeyed, and it was like a building I had been carrying around was lifted. Through obedience, I found my joy again and feel so light. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come into Jesus. He wants to give us a little more lightheartedness and Oftentimes, it takes that step of faith to have a difficult conversation. Someone wrote, 
The 21 days of prayer and fasting has been really great for me. It makes me get up every morning, go to my secret place and read. Not only that, it seems to be what I need at that moment every stinking time. Praise God for his story. Someone wrote, my daughter, or watching my daughter, she's 13 years old, stick to her commitment to fast from electronics, which that's like a miracle in itself, a teenager to fast from electronics, and pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus is just about the best thing a mom could experience. Powerful. Somebody wrote, she's a mother of two small children, stay-at-home mom. She said, during my little pockets of free time during the day, I've been cracking open the Bible or saying a little prayer instead of snacking or browsing my Instagram, and I have been more patient and kinder with my girls. Praise God for some of those stories. What about you? You got a story of God's goodness or his faithfulness over the course of these 21 days. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come over to the microphone. We did this in the first service, and it was, it was really cool. We had one guy say uh, he gave his life to Jesus for the first time a week ago today, and he stood up and testified about that. It was powerful. You could watch that online um, from the first service. But uh, yeah, at the end of this service, come on up, and uh, we're going to have some people hopefully come up and testify of God's goodness over the course of the 21 days. So I want to tell you about my experience over the course of these 21 days. So the first two weeks, I kind of had like a tiered approach. The first week, um, I did skip some meals, got rid of junk food, that sort of thing. The second week, I just did dinner, got rid of junk food, and it was great. I really felt healthier. I felt clearer. I was hearing from God sharper. It was, it was a great week. The last week, if you were here last week, I talked about Jehoshaphat and fasting for a miracle. I had some things that I was fasting and praying over. And so my wife and I and my friend Caitlin, the three of us decided to fast from food to just kind of see how long we could go. So last Monday, just did coffee, tea, water. It was fine. It was good. The second day, you know, continue to fast from food. Tuesday night, man, I was getting cranky and like easily annoyed with the kids. Like Tuesday night, we were on a couch. We're like, I need to watch The Chosen because The Chosen always picks me up, you know, and we're, we're on the couch and there's like no room on the couch. And I'm just like, ah, you know, and I just went to bed because I'm like, you know, two, uh, Wednesday morning comes, feeling weak um, and, and just struggling with this whole thing. So Jen, in her graciousness, brought me some toast some dry toast. It was the greatest dry toast I had ever tasted. My child had a banana. And, uh, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm back on the horse. Well, I get home. If you remember Wednesday, it was all kind of snow, canceled youth group. I uh, got out the snowblower, you know, got the driveway taken care of and, and came home in the evening. And I walk into the kitchen and you'll never believe what I saw on the kitchen table. There were two large Papa John's pizzas. And I looked at her and I said, are you serious right now? And I sat down and it was a stuffed crust cheese pepperoni pizza. And I picked up a piece and I ate it. And it was the best taste of pizza. It was the best pizza I'd ever had in my entire life. And, you know, then I ate another piece and Jen was like gracious. She's like, hey, this isn't legalistic. You know, do what you need to do. And I didn't feel guilty at all about it until she said, now, you do need to call Caitlin and tell her. And I'm like, can you tell her? Because like, I, so she, but here, here's what I learned, and here's what you know, that self-control is a struggle. Isn't that like discipline, spiritual disciplines, being with the Lord every day? 
those disciplines are a struggle. And being a person who exhibits self-control is hard. Because I say things and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be slow to speak and slow to become angry, right? Or I don't get up as early as I should, or I stay up too late, or I eat I, too much entertainment. Self-control can be a struggle. And what I really want is for you to have self-control, because if you have self-control, I won't need as much self-control. And if I can blame you, or if I can control you, because I'd rather control you rather than controlling myself, right? Then I'm like, life will be better. This is kind of as old as the garden. Remember, like Eve eats the apple and then Adam eats the apple and they got all this guilt and shame and God is walking through the garden. He's like, where are you? Where are you? And then he sees Adam. He's like, Adam, did you eat the fruit? And, and Adam says, it was the woman you put here with me. She gave me the Papa John's pizza from the store and I ate it. Right? So it's that whole like deceptive heart, like it's your fault that I don't have self-control and it's your fault that I'm always late and it's your, you know, th- this whole thing. So we're going to talk about this whole issue of self-control today. The title of this sermon is The Secret to Self-Control. Now, we could take 12 weeks and talk about this. There's a great book that I read a while back, was listened to a little bit this week on an audiobook called Atomic Habits by James Clear. So many good ideas of how to uh, be a more self-controlled person. Like you think about your environment and you don't put Papa John's pizza on the table because it's too hard to fight it. Or if you're a video game fanatic, take the console and put it in your closet. You know, you, you manipulate your environment so you're not as tempted. There's all kinds of different things we can do to be more self-controlled. But today, I just want to give you one very, very powerful truth from the Word of God, from Scripture. And really, it's only one word. And this word is not easy, but it really is the secret to self-control, all right? So let me kind of set it up for you. Uh, About 30 years or so after the resurrection of Christ, the year is 64 AD, the apostle Paul had a protege whom he was mentoring by the name of Timothy, and he built up Timothy, gave him experiences. It's possible, you can kind of see this in the book of 1 Corinthians, it's possible that Timothy had a leadership job in the church at Corinth, which is right here. It didn't go so well. Corinth was a difficult church with a capital D. It was just a tough place to do ministry. Maybe it didn't go well. So Paul pulls him out of Corinth and he tells him to lead the church at Ephesus. He's a young pastor, still trying to figure out how to do this. Paul, he's either in a Roman prison or maybe he's in Macedonia and he pulls out his pen and he writes a letter to Timothy as he's leading the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says at the very beginning of chapter four of this first letter that he wrote to his protege, Timothy. He says this, the spirit clearly says in a later time, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits in things taught by demons. That's like, well, that's scary. Like middle school and high school students, if you, actually we got teachers here, right? If you go to school tomorrow, and a principal's like, hey, your teacher can't make it today. You got a substitute teacher. It's a demon. And the demon gets up there and starts teaching. You're going to be like, I'm out of here. I don't want to listen to a demon, right? Or if like today I wasn't able to make it, you know, the elders are like, hey, Dave can't be here today. A demon's going to teach you. And a demon comes up here. You'd be like, I'm out of here, right? But that's not how demonic teaching works. It usually sounds good. It usually appeals to our flesh. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were some false teachers in the days of Paul and in the days of Timothy who were spreading teaching that appealed to their flesh. Let me give you two of the most common false teachings that were occurring during this time. The first one's called Gnosticism. And if I could 
take a very complicated worldview and distill it into this statement that you ignore the material and you focus on the spiritual. So the earth is bad, so you can trash the earth, no big deal. The body's bad, I can eat whatever I want, I can do whatever I want with my body, you know, I can be free sexually, no big deal. It's all about my spirit and my relationship with God. That's Gnosticism. And Paul was fighting this his entire ministry. Here's a a verse that points to this, Philippians chapter three. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. There's people out there who are saying, whatever my stomach wants, no matter how stressed I get, worried I get, whatever's there, I'm just gonna take it so I can feel better about myself and I don't care what happens to my body. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because it's matter, it's body, no big deal. It's just about me and my relationship with God. Paul says that's Gnosticism. That is demonic, false teaching that appeals to your flesh. Timothy, you need to watch out for that. Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your whole body, right? Body, mind, soul, spirit. Jesus would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and muscles or strength. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So Gnosticism, which separates body and soul, body and spirit, that's a false teaching. God cares about our entire body. God cares about the earth. So let's honor it. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the false teachings, the demonic teaching that Paul was combating. The second one is legalism, which is essentially avoid that, avoid this, don't drink that, don't eat that. And if you avoid that, God will be happy with you and he'll give you what you want. You especially see this in the book of Galatians. Paul's kind of going after these Judaizers. They're like, you need to do X, Y, Z. And if you don't, I'm going to kick you out. So on one side of the spectrum is Gnosticism. Do whatever you want with your body. Do whatever you want with the earth. No big deal. The other side is you better watch out because if you eat the wrong stuff, God's not gonna be happy with you and you're not gonna get what you want. Those are the demonic teachings that Paul's dealing with here in 1 Timothy. He says these teachings, they come through hypocritical liars. These are people who say one thing and they live another way. They teach one thing, but they're not willing to live out the things that they're teaching or they're spreading lies. Their consciences have been seared is with a hot iron. You've all seen an animal with a, you know, a symbol on it that has been seared with a hot iron, which is essentially the farmer saying, that cow is mine. Don't take it, because I've seared it with a hot iron. So the false teachers are saying, I'm gonna teach you and I'm gonna form your mind in such a way that I own you, that you're mine. And Paul says, you gotta, you gotta be careful with that. These people, these false teachers, they forbid people to marry. And, and you know, many of us would say, look, that marriage nowadays has been infiltrated by false teaching. Right? Just marriage isn't important. Just sleep around and just do whatever you want. No big deal. Why would we commit ourselves to one person for the rest of our lives? I remember 16 years ago, I was playing softball, and I told the guys, I said, I'm not going to be here for the next couple of weeks because I'm getting married. And I'll never forget what one of my teammates said. He goes, 
Marriage? Why would you get married? Why would you put a ball and a chain on your ankle, right? It's just marriage. That, that, that's ridiculous. He says there's people out there saying don't get married. They forbid people to marry and they order them to abstain from certain foods and just want you to know, God created these, and we need to receive them with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. You, you receive these good things from God, for everything God created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. One of the good habits to get into is that when you have a meal, that you would pray for that meal before you eat it. Um, so my kids, you know, when we have meals, mealtimes are like chaos, right? It's just sit down, like, where did he go? Like, what? Mealtimes meal are crazy. And I went over to someone's house for dinner. They invited us over several months ago. And they had the meal there. And then they, they're like, all right, let's pray. And they all held hands. Have you ever held hands with people during prayer? It's a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, oh, this, hurry up with this prayer. This is a little bit awkward, right? And they, they prayed holding hands. And then the next week, I got my kids together around the dinner table, and I said, let's hold hands. And they're like, oh, you're just doing that because that one family did it, you know? And they're like, I ain't holding his hands. And they grabbed like the elbow or whatever. And I was talking to a guy after the first service, and he said, we did that with our kids growing up. And it, it just brought a spirit of unity because our kids wouldn't get along. And then they were forced to hold hands, and it just brought a spirit of unity. So I have not made this a habit, but I, I think it's a good idea to get together because when you hold hands, they can't eat right? And so you take that moment to just say, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. I don't need to like bless the food because the food's already been blessed. I just need to thank you for your goodness. You've been so good to us. He goes on, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. So teach this to the the good people at the church of Ephesus, Timothy. And also remember this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Now here's the part where Paul gives us the key to self-control. This is kind of what he's, what he's aiming at. This is what he's coming for. This is the word that I think is the secret to self-control. Here's what Paul says. Rather, Right? Teach them, you know, false teaching. Here's the key. Train yourself to be godly. You got to train yourself because it doesn't come naturally, right? When you train a dog, he's naturally wild. You need to train yourself to be godly. And this word train, it's an interesting word. It's, the Greek is gymnazo. It's where we get the word gymnasium. Literally, go to the gym to get godly. The word gymnazo, uh, it quite literally means to exercise naked, preferably not at the YMCA. <laughs> Fortunately, it has a second meaning. We'll, we'll press into the second meaning here, which means this, to exercise vigorously in any way, either the body or the mind. Paul says, we naturally are bent towards ungodliness selfishness, unwholesome talk. You got to train yourself to be godly. 
You got to go to the gym of godliness, and it's going to take a little bit of vigor, a little bit of spiritual sweat. Now, since we're talking about Greek here, quick story. Years ago, I was in seminary. I took Greek one. It was okay. I got through it, passed it, took Greek two, and I was struggling with it. It was hard, and I wanted to quit. And I'm in my backyard one day. I'll never forget it. And I had my, my workbook right here. And uh, I called up my dad, and I said, Dad, I, wanna, I just want to be done with Greek. And I'm thinking about just being done with it, and then I get, like, the smaller degree. And he said something to me I'll never forget. I think about his quote all the time. He said this, I hear you. I know it's hard, but God often calls us to do the hard thing. He often calls us to do the difficult thing. Now, that doesn't mean that there's never a time to quit something because sometimes God leads you to make a shift. Some guy, sometimes God leads you to, to leave Corinth and go to Ephesus because it's a better fit for you. But when it comes to developing self-control, God oftentimes leads us to do the, the hard thing or the thing that's going to require vigor. So he says, for physical training, it's of some value. It's good. You know, we know that it's good for your body. It's good for your nervous system. It, it, it does have value to exercise and to train physically, but godliness is even more important. Godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life, this life, and the life to come, eternal life. So keep working out and keep doing exercise. But you know what's even more important than that? It's going to the gym spiritually. It's training yourself. And as you train yourself, you put a little bit of sweat in it, you'll begin to develop the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Now, this is a little challenge for you. Those of you who you, you work, like you know where you're going to work out tomorrow. Like this time, do this workout but you don't know where you're going to spend time with Jesus tomorrow, you should flip that. And the time where you're going to work out, you should spend time with Jesus first. Because he says, seek me first. Seek the, the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added unto you. You should seek him first, and then figure out how you're going to work out. Because physical training has some value, but godliness is more valuable. And then he goes on, he says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive. Paul says, this is why I go after it. This is why I endure suffering, because of this, that we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. So Timothy, command and teach these things to the people in Ephesus. And it's your training gets me in tune with the Spirit who produces self-control in me. You go to the gym and you train and you read the scriptures and you pray and then you watch the fruit of the Spirit of self-control come out of you. So Paul says, I know you're struggling, Timothy. I know you feel a little insecure, but don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't let them look down on you. I know you got all these demonic teaching, false teaching, but you need to set an example for the believers in speech. Are you setting an example for the people around you by the way that you talk? Paul would write in, in Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building others up. You say, yeah, but yeah. 
I kind of just say whatever comes to my mind. Or I'm just kind of an, a sarcastic person. For some of you, your sarcasm is killing your kids. For some of you, your lack of discipline is hurting the people around you. You have been given a spirit of discipline. So don't say, well, I'm just kind of undisciplined and I say whatever come and I do whatever. No, 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 no. You have the spirit of God inside of you who wants to develop self-control in you. So set an example through speech, through your life, the way that you love other people, through your faith in God and in purity. Some of you, you're struggling with pure thoughts and pure words, but that's not who you are in Christ. The spirit of God that is within us can give you the ability to be disciplined. You don't have to show up late every day. You don't have to say whatever comes to your mind. You don't have to look at everything that pops up onto your phone. You, through Christ, can have the spirit of self-control. She says to Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching and Don't neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. You gotta be diligent. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. We don't expect perfection, but rather progress. That's why our mission statement is not be like Jesus, though that would be a good mission statement because I can't be like Jesus. Far from it. But I can take another step closer to Jesus. We, we say here the purpose of the church is that we would help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. And I'm not, I, I celebrate that I'm not perfect, but I'm not where I was years ago. So I'm getting a little bit closer as I train a little bit more in godliness. The last thing he says to Timothy is watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to believe the lies of the heretics and all these views and all these teachings that are coming into your head. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save yourself and your hearers. Persevere. Endure. Don't give up even when it gets hard. As one scholar writes, the rigorous but strange lifestyle of the heretics has to be met with an equally rigorous lifestyle of godliness. He says to Timothy, you don't necessarily need to defend with your doctrine, though it's good to know doctrine. You need to defend by setting an example by the way that you live so that the heretics and the false teachers will look at you and they'll say, wow, wow, that's a godly man. That's a godly woman. That's a godly teenager. That's someone who's self-controlled. And here's the truth. When you become more self-controlled, you experience more freedom. This isn't about like, you know, trying to impress people or, oh, at the end of the day, the more self-controlled you are, the more freedom that you have and the more freedom that the people around you will have. Let me give you an illustration of this. So about a year and a half ago, I did a race, October 2nd, 2021, and I finished it in five minutes, 13, or five hours, 13 minutes, 28 seconds. I finished 543rd 
out of 2,334. I thought that was pretty good. And I had a blast doing this. It was so much fun. Enjoyed it. Wasn't in a whole lot of pain. So I decided to do it again. And I did it this past year. And on October 1st, 2022, I did it in six hours, 16 minutes, which is like an hour longer. And I finished in 1,149th place. And I was in so much pain. It hurt so bad. And the reason I was in pain is because a year and a half ago, I trained. This past year, I did not train. And when you don't train, you get pain. And when you don't train, the people that you love experience the pain of your lack of self-control. So here's my challenge for you, okay? It's my challenge. I just kind of made this up here. But today's January 29th, 2023. Let's say that right now your self-control is at like a 65 out of 100. And on March 26, 2023, I'll tell you why I picked that date in a minute, that your self-control would go up to a 70. You know how you're going to get there? You're going to get there through training. That's how you're going to get there. You're going to go before the Lord and read the scriptures, and allow him to speak to you, and pray to him, and then you're going to go along your day, and you're just going to experience more self-control, because that's what the Spirit does within us. So, question for you. How many of you know what you're going to do tomorrow for your time with the Lord? Your Bible reading and prayer, don't raise your hand. How many of you know what you're going to do? Some of you might say, I'm going back to my other devotional. I have a Bible reading plan. That's awesome. Keep doing that. If you can't answer that question, let me take a moment to be your personal trainer. Okay? This is what I'm going to do. Our elders are going to do this. I want to encourage some of you to, to jump on this plan, right? This is Version Bible app. You can get this on any one of your devices. We are, for the next several weeks, going to do 60 chapters of the most impactful chapters of the Bible. It's a 60-day um, plan that we're going to do. And uh, let me kind of, I, I did a video on this on Facebook and YouTube. Some of you may have seen it, but if you didn't, here's how you do this, right? You download version. This is the way it looks. You download version, and this comes up right here. And then you click down here, plans. And then you click this magnifying glass. You write in the word 60. You click 60 days, that's going to come up, 60 days of the most impactful chapters. It's not the most 60, it's just the team from River Valley Church from Texas who got together and said, we think these are 60 of the most impactful chapters. You're going to click on that, and then this is going to come up right here. Click on start plan, and then you'll have an option to do it by yourself. Some of you are so disciplined, you could do this by yourself. Others of us need somebody to do it with, whether it's your spouse or one of your friends, a couple of your friends, you're going to click on with friends. Then you're going to click on Monday, January 30th, which is tomorrow. Little black box if you're an Android user. I don't know how it works for Apple. Probably looks similar. Black box. Click here, and then you'll have this little bar that shows up. Right. See, I only have four friends right here. In real life, I have like five or six, but right here I got. <laughs> you just touch this little bar, and then you could text message whoever you want. So elders and I are going to do this. And here's what's really cool. When you get into the app tomorrow and you start doing this, this is what it looks like. And you can read your chapter. Again, we're going through 60 of the most impactful chapters. You'll get a good idea of what the scriptures are all about. 
You'll read the chapter and then you'll say, God, what are you showing me in this chapter? And you'll write it out and then your friends that you invited will be able to see what you wrote. It gives you accountability and it gives you insight to how God's speaking to other people. I did a tutorial online for those of you who want to go back and, and see that. But if you don't know what you're going to do for your devotions this week, consider doing this. Consider doing this. Here, here's the truth. God, he did not give us a spirit of timidity. He didn't. He gave us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. You are a disciplined person when you have the Holy Spirit in you. You just need to stand on that truth and you need to believe it and you need to start acting like someone who is disciplined. And as you take seriously this, this whole idea of going to the gym and reading the scriptures and praying through the scriptures and allowing the Spirit to show you something, over time, you'll begin to experience more self-control. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Scriptures, it's all God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So, when are you going to do this tomorrow? And where are you going to do it? Before you go to bed tonight, you need to answer those two questions. What time are you going to do it? And where are you going to do it? And I hope that many of you will choose this version plan. Now, last thing. We are sinners who are so desperately in need of a Savior. And we will fall off the horse at some point. And unwholesome talk will come out of our mouth. And we'll miss a day of this and we'll start feeling guilty. And I just want to encourage you, as my friend Darren says, to get underneath the waterfall of grace and let his grace just pour all over you. Because we're imperfect people who are not about perfection, but we're after progress and taking another step towards Jesus. But we're doing this together, not by ourselves. So this is what I want to do right now. I want to ask some people to come up to the microphone. And it could be 10 seconds. It could be 30 seconds, 45 seconds. This was awesome after the first service. And I just want you to come up and share what God is teaching you or what he has taught you during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then the worship team is going to lead us in a song. So right now, okay, right now, I need the worship team to come up. We're going to roll this TV off to the side. And some of you are going to come up and share just one word of the goodness of God. Share something that God has done in your life. It could be 10 seconds or it could be a minute long. If it's longer than a minute, I'm going to yank you away from the, because we got children's people taking care of your kids, right? So uh, to make this easier for all of us, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Everybody in the house, even if you're watching online, go ahead and stand up and let's, uh, let's declare, let's testify about the greatness and the goodness of God. Well, there you have it. That's the end of our series, Pursuit, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And I pray that if this is the first episode or the, maybe the second one that you've heard, that you'd go back and listen to it from the beginning and really glean how is it that we can start not only the beginning of this year, but maybe the beginning of any period of time where we really want to hear the voice of God in a powerful way. And so until we are together again, thank you so much for joining in on this episode of the Baritone Road Alliance Church Podcast.